2: Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect.
3: Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com.
4: Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen and I'm Caroline. Caroline, when you moved out of your parents house, did your mom or dad take up any new hobbies?
0: Um, hobbies. Does drinking more wine count? Sure. Then yes, <laughs> more wine.
4: <laughs> you turned your parents into winos? Just just my mother. Are you moved? Okay. Uh, one thing I've noticed, this is a, a relatively new, even though my parents have technically been empty nesters for a while now. My mother has taken a keen interest in monarch butterflies. Like collecting them? She essentially has figured out how to... Raise. She'll grow the milkweed that monarchs build their cocoons on and will kind of protect them until they are set free to then fly down to Mexico Hmm. for their annual migration. And I was home a couple of weeks ago and got to witness with my mother a monarch emerging. And it was like she had like her 13th grandchild I've like <laughs> lost count of how many grandchildren she has at this point uh, but anyway yeah she has kind of replaced children with butterflies which is awesome and adorable things that you can never hug but will also never require
0: like feeding cooking for yeah
4: I mean they' they're there and then they can just and yeah. go pretty easy upkeep um, I was asking you that because we are talking about this thing called empty nest syndrome, which essentially it uh, maintains that when kids fly the coop and leave home, then our moms and dads get super depressed because they can't live without us. Yeah. It's basically when maybe not
0: just like feeling kind of lonely or kind of bummed. It's really when the loss has a negative impact on the parents' daily life when they do get really depressed. And uh, Brad Sachs, who's a family psychologist, sums it up this way. He says, so you're never as necessary and as relevant in life as you are when you're raising a child. So when that child no longer needs you, you automatically feel less necessary and less relevant. He says that it's a tremendous shift in self-worth. Time is marching on. You're moving into a new phase of life. Maybe all that change is just a little scary.
4: Yeah, cause it also radically alters household dynamics mm-hmm. where, you know, it intensifies probably the, the relationship between spouses if it's, you're in a, you know, a dual parent home, uh, and alters your relationship with your, with your children as well. I definitely feel like since, Not just in the process of getting older, but living apart from my parents and becoming a more independent adult on my own, it's changed the, for the better, I would say, changed the relationship between my parents and myself. Yeah,
0: my parents have, have taken more trips together, although my dad does like sometimes, you know, just go to Switzerland by himself as one is wont to do. But yeah, they they really, you know, they have dinner every night together and watch two and a half men and they seem to be doing fine. Um one thing I found interesting about empty nest syndrome is that it's typically uh, associated with mothers, although fathers do experience it too, maybe just in different ways and at different times. And some of these articles that we read about empty nest syndrome point out that for a, uh, for a lot of moms out there, leaving the house, their kids leaving the house coincides with menopause, so maybe there's some hormonal stuff going on, but that it also strikes stay-at-home moms more than mothers who might work outside the house.
4: Yeah, and that makes total sense if you think about it in terms of uh, what you had talked about in t- With the relevance, like you're never more relevant in your child's life is when you are raising them. And if that is your full-time occupation, although, you know, whether you have a job outside the home or not, you could say, you know, parenting is a full-time job, but you get what I mean. If that is your domain in which you spend most of your time and there is a major shift that happens, then, then sure, I I can see how that would have a, a bigger impact.
0: And let's not forget the dads. It's not like the dads are totally unemotional, not caring that their kids are leaving. Uh, Forbes, in an August 2006 article, pointed out that around the time the kids leave home, also careers tend to start leveling off and, quote, suddenly there's an abundance of time with the wife, which isn't always positive. So, I mean, I, g-
4: I guess if you're left alone with each other, it could go either way. Well, and for men, um, and this is getting into really gendered territory, But it's still um, I think it's still pretty relevant. Like on the one side, you have uh, the possible intensifying effect of menopause for women with emptiness being like, oh, my God, everything around me is changing. And why is it so hot in here? (laughs) (laughs) And then for men, while they might not be going through something like menopause, <laughs> um, <sighs> I feel like that was a two and a half men joke. <laughs> got like- no, they would never have anything so clever. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Men at their this late middle age, getting into older age, their their careers are probably leveling off. Now, mm-hmm. this is also that might be speaking more pre recession. It could be have a lot of differences now, but for, you know, you're 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 reaching the top of your hopefully career trajectory. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, well, OK, well, I've done done what I need to do. And, and, and a lot of psychologists will say that the reason why emptiness syndrome might not seem as apparent in fathers is because it might just have more of a delayed effect. They'll be like, yeah, yeah, no, like Susie's going off to college. Yeah, well, I'll go to Switzerland (laughs) at some point. No big deal. And then once Susie's actually gone, he's like, wait, where'd Susie go? Susie?
0: (laughs) Oh, nuts. Oh, nuts. I'm talking to myself again. (laughs) Um, Brad Sachs, we mentioned earlier, that family psychologist, uh, told the Washington Post in June 2012 that it tends to hit fathers more profoundly after the kids have left because they experience regret and remorse. About not being involved enough. So, like, mom might experience it preemptively, like, okay, the kids are about to leave, everything's going to be terrible, and then the kids leave, and she just, like, my mom forms a bridge club, not bridge, Mahjong club. Mahjong? Yeah, that's what she's doing now. That's just fantastic. They have, she has the ladies come over, they they eat veggies and dip, and they play Mahjong and, and drink wine while it's daylight. Can we do that sometime? I... I can't learn card games. I don't think I can learn Mahjong. Okay. Well, but, I mean, we can still go and party with the
4: ladies if you want. I, I'm just saying, if we start a Mahjong group, I am going to wear a fashionable turban a la Grey Gardens <laughs> So I just really want to be able to do that. <laughs> yes, little Edie. Anyway, uh, but there are also people who um, and research out there that is challenging the existence of emptiness syndrome uh, because we're talking too about how like well this is commonly been associated with stay at home moms. The term was coined by we should have mentioned earlier. The term was coined by sociologists in the 1970s and certainly since then household dynamics have changed uh we've got uh, you know as we say all the time in the podcast there are plenty of more women working uh, outside of the home and raising children and fathers becoming more involved in the daily lives of their kids on the flip side of that and so some psychologists are saying you know what really the data Show that emptiness syndrome, not so much.
0: Yeah, I don't think it, it is as bad as we think it is. And it's definitely not as bad as kids who've just left for college, uh, think it is. This is from the American Psychological Association in April 2003. Psychologist Carol, uh, Karen Fingerman asks her students every year how they think their parents are coping. Every time students always think that their parents are doing worse than they actually are and a Washington Post story this is this is pretty dated this is from 1988 but they posted a survey of 1100 mothers and found that only 10% of empty nesters reported feeling acute loneliness or having uh, major trouble adjusting to the change
4: Yeah, and there was was a thing that was pointed out by Michael Shermer, who um, is a columnist for Scientific American and publisher of Skeptic Magazine, in a column that he was writing about emptiness syndrome and... He he said that, yeah, it had a a very acute effect on him when his daughter went off to college, but also brought up the fact that it didn't last as long and wasn't as horrible as he thought it was going to be when it initially happened. And this has to do with something called the durability bias. And it's essentially like a common fallacy in human thinking that when we anticipate a terrible event, we think it's going to be terrible for a lot longer than it really is. Like they've done experiments with, um like asking people, uh, say, like who are in relationships, saying, "Now imagine breaking up with this someone, th- with this person. How would you cope?" And they'd be like, "It'd be horrible. I couldn't get out of bed and blah blah blah. It's gonna last forever. My heart will always be broken." And then going back and asking them after the breakup, like, "How did you fare?" And they were like, "Yeah, it was bad, but I got on with it." Yeah. And it's that same durability bias that leads us to maybe overblow the impact of emptiness syndrome.
0: Yeah, and Karen Rubenstein, who's a social psychologist, same thing. Most moms that she talked to, uh, especially those who didn't work outside the home in particular, they were sad and lonely in their first few you know, days or weeks that the kids were gone. But it really didn't take long to rediscover all of those opportunities that you have in life Without having kids at home every day.
4: Yeah, and speaking of opportunities, one of the upsides that's often cited with the kids leaving home, and I think that my parents, seeing them uh, experience this as well, is it gives a new... Uh, and it's a new chapter in a relationship, which can be, I mean, it can be a deal breaker because divorce rates do tend to go up once the kids leave the home. But for a lot of couples as well, it's um it's a it spices things up in a way. Right. And in a psychological
0: science article, 2008, Most couples, they found, experienced a higher rate of marital satisfaction because they had more time together, but it wasn't just that extra time together. It was really quality over quantity because not only did you have more time with each other without the kids, but you could do more things that were just about each other. So they say that, you know, women were less taxed with Mm -hmm. housework and taking care of the kids and everything. They could maybe actually enjoy their spouse time together.
4: Yeah. So I I could see how that could be a scary prospect as well because it's like, oh, what do we talk about since the kids aren't here? Well, yeah, speaking of talking, Kevin Kerber,
0: a clinical psychologist, says that during this period, communication is crucial because just like Kristen said, the divorce rates do tend to rise when kids leave the home. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Please. So couples sometimes have to renegotiate their marriage and find new patterns, new things to do, whether that's watching terrible,
4: terrible sitcoms or not. And mahjong. Mahjong. I think mahjong sounds like a wonderful coping mechanism. Indeed. (laughs) That's just me. Also because it includes snacks. (laughs) Um, So there are also some tips out there. Because like we've said, the the feeling of loss uh, when the kids leave the home, that's probably inevitable. You know, it's it's a it's a parenting milestone. But there are some ways to or some things to keep in mind as it approaches to, to help you make that transition perhaps a little more smoothly. And this is coming from Brad Sachs who we've cited earlier. Uh, he wrote the book Emptying the Nest, Launching Your Young Adult Toward Success and Self Reliance. That's that's a nice title. Yeah. And um, what what an accomplishment that must be <laughs> Just like Mahjong.
0: Yes. Um, so, yeah, he says, prepare yourself to experience a range of sometimes contradictory emotions. It is a bittersweet experience. So on the one hand, your kid is leaving. On the other hand, woo! Your kid is leaving!
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure my mom does not miss doing my laundry.
0: You know what? My mother, still, I am 28 years old. I have my own apartment. I have my own washer and dryer. She still says things like... Well, um well if you wanna bring your laundry home, I'll do it. I'm like, Mom, I'm coming home for dinner for two hours.
4: Oh yeah, I'll oh, bring, you. I'm not saying I, I don't bring my laundry home because I do, <laughs> but I'm just saying she probably doesn't miss doing it as often because yes, my mom did the laundry in, in my home. Yes, I did mine. Does mine. Mine does. <laughs> Still. Currently. Uh, so in addition to the, the mixed emotions, also, um, being respectful and patient with, you know, the kid who's leaving home's feelings because I remember when I was going off to college and by off, I mean like it was literally a few miles down the road (laughs) brave soul that I was Um, but I was I couldn't wait you know it was no big deal to me they were super close by I didn't you know I really could kind of care less at the time I was just like oh yeah life's about to be so cool like a movie that takes place at college you were a surfer dude when you were 18
2: totes (laughs)
0: Um. Yeah, Sachs also recommends talking not only with your kid about the kind of contact you want to have while he or she is away, but also talking with your spouse about how the two of you should reconnect and and move forward because things are going to be different.
4: Well, yeah, and I felt like, too, one giant gap in this research was not taking into account how this impacts, like, single-parent homes. I can imagine that... You know, if if you don't have um, like a spouse or a partner who's in the house, maybe emptiness syndrome is even even harder to deal with. I mean, it, it makes me be. think about the Gilmore Girls—not to just reference television constantly in this episode, but you know, like they were pals, and then one goes. What's Lorelai to do? I don't know. Doesn't doesn't she get with the guy who owns the store or yeah. the restaurant or whatever? maybe that's what happens? <laughs> It launches you into a romantic plot line. You lose your daughter, but you get a very handsome man who wears a ball cap all the time. There we go. There's the upside. Um, but uh, we mentioned the recession earlier. And I think that in the age that we are in now, where the, e- the economy for these kids who are leaving home, the job prospects, have become a lot more uncertain. Perhaps emptiness syndrome is not as much of a threat because so many kids are flying the coop only to flit back home.
0: Yeah, the Census Bureau found that between 2007 and 2010, the number of adult children living with parents rose by 1.2 million up to 15.8
4: million. That's a lot of kids. It is a lot of kids. And the, that report also found that 30.1% of Americans age 18 and over lived in 2010 in a shared household. And that's with family members or with unrelated roommates. And even that number is up from uh, 27.7% in 2007. Lots of sevens.
0: Yeah, I, well, I was one of those kids who came back. I moved back home after college for a couple of months before I got my newspaper job in Augusta. So I went there for several it was a dark period, dark period in my life of years. Um and I actually after I quit that job, I moved home because I just quit with nothing lined up like a like a smarty pants that I am. Lived with my parents for like 7 months. And so when I moved out again after I got this job, uh, my mom had empty nest syndrome all over again.
4: Yeah, I can imagine. I've, I've had at certain times I've had conversations with my parents of like, you know, they say like, if you ever need to move home, if you, you know, if something doesn't work out and I feel like they're, you know, a tiny speck in the back of their mind is like, we'd be cool with that. <laughs> We've still got your room. My room is still intact. We'll get you another ferret. (laughs) Oh, I don't know if I can handle another ferret. But then that means that I would probably be raising butterflies with my mom.
1: Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
2: This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank,
3: who believes some things in life should be boring Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. So, uh, gray gardens indeed. Yeah,
4: take up mahjong <laughs> and monarchs. Uh, just accelerating my my life path. So, um, so empty nesters out there, I know that we have um, some older listeners. I'll be curious to hear from any folks who have, who have seen those those little robins fly the nest into the great beyond um and how how that affects on the on the parental side like obviously you and i can speak to what goes on on the kids side of leaving and negotiating that end of the relationship but we'd like to hear from parents as well and parents of kids who like anticipating having an emptiness what is that like because i'm sure it for some people it must be daunting yeah are you are you excited or are you bummed or is it a little bit of both? Let us know. Momstuff at discovery.com is where you can send your letters and of course you can also leave a comment on Facebook as well. And before we get to your letters, got a quick message here from this episode's sponsor, which is Jackthreads.com. And speaking of kids, if there is a young or older man in your household in need of a wardrobe refresh, perhaps, we recommend heading over to www.jackthreads.com slash mom to check out their killer contemporary and street apparel accessories and gadgets from brands like Penguin, Ben Sherman, and Converse. And you want to head over there because everything on the site is up to 80% off because as Jack Threads likes to say, full price is for suckers. So you want to head over to jackthreads.com slash mom and get you some new duds. Now back to our letters. Well,
0: Kristen, I have a ghost story email here yes. from Nicole. She, she references both the sleep paralysis and the ghosts that we touched on in that episode. So she says, First off, I used to have bouts of sleep paralysis when I was a teen. I specifically remember waking up twice in the middle of the night, once with the feeling I couldn't move, and I tried to call out to my parents without success. Strangely, I fell back to sleep after realizing I couldn't do anything. The second time this happened, I remember feeling like someone was in the room with me and my eyes immediately went to a chair I had in my bedroom. Again, I tried to call out to my parents, only to fall back asleep. Secondly, as for ghost stories, I have a few, but I'll share my favorite. When I was a teen, my brother had passed away unexpectedly during the fall season. I didn't think much of ghosts or anything of that matter, but of course our entire family was grieving at the loss. Yet, I remember times of suddenly smelling a strong scent of vanilla in a room, which was the scent always associated with my brother. It wouldn't be from walking into a room, but actually being in a room for a period of time, and suddenly the smell overwhelmed you. While this was going on, I began to hear my name being called. I would sit in my bedroom doing homework or doodling, and I would hear someone say my name as if they were calling me into the other room. I would open my bedroom door, walk into the living room, and ask my mom and dad what they needed. She and my father both would deny that they had called me, and this continued on and on. I started to think maybe it was my brother, so when I would have these two specific things happen, I would say hello to him and let him know I knew he was there. Whether this was me dealing with my grief or actually my brother contacting me from the beyond, it helped me deal with this loss and realize that he was always there as he promised to be. Thank you, Jennifer.
4: And I've got an email here from Sarah, a quick one about sleepwalking. She writes, Your episode on sleepwalking just freaked the mom side of me out. Oh, no. My daughter, currently 16 months, has night terrors every couple of months. I wish I knew why it happened, but I'm beginning to wonder if it's linked to my husband's sleepwalking. He's been doing it since he was a kid. After your podcast, I'm now worried she's going to do the same. She suffers from allergies, and her dad is a sleepwalker. Oh, boy. So, <laughs> you, oh dear. Just don't give her any ferrets. I was about to say, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's no big deal and maybe it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. So, there's something perhaps to look forward to. And then you can look forward to her leaving the house and not sleepwalking anymore. Yeah. To temper the p- possibility of empty syndrome. Here we go. We just solved every possible problem. Bam. You are Welcome. So for that, why don't you head over to Facebook and like us and follow us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. And also, because that's not enough, follow us on Tumblr as well at StuffMomNeverToldYou.tumblr.com where we post a lot of cool stuff. And speaking of cool stuff, you can find a lot of that on our website. It's HowStuffWorks.com.
3: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For.